And now, it's time for Mr. College Football and Friends with Tony Barnhart. Greetings and welcome back to Mr. CFB and Friends. I'm your host, Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. We're here getting ready for the first Saturday in October. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. you got to be kidding me. Where did the first four weeks go? But before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor, APA Games. That's A-P-B-A Games, the unquestioned king of quality simulation products. You'll find them at APBA.com. Okay, let's bring on the guys. All right, guys. Week four is in the books. What did we learn from week four? Let's start with Mark Blauschen of love, in his lovely Situate Mass. Mark, what did you learn on week four? I learned at University of Miami that if I start playing football again or else I'm going to be really mad after that, that embarrassment of last week. That's one thing I learned. It was. What a, Herb Go, what did you learn from last week's proceedings? Well, I learned that the Minnesota Golden Gophers are the favorite in the Big Ten West. Um, P.J. Fleck, you know, uh, what, he's not a row the boat. Is he row the boat? I forgot. Anyway, look out for the Gophers. And I also learned that Notre Dame can bump along. Uh, they did a nice job of surprising the people who thought they would be surprised at North Carolina. They have a week off, and then they go to BYU, where we will learn a lot more about the Irish. Tom Lucci is the media director of Monmouth Park Racetrack, newspaper veterans, as we all are. We call him the locksmith. We'll have our own segment with Tom a little bit later in the show. But Tom, first of all, week four, as I said, is in the books. What did you learn? Well, Tony, I learned that uh, Oklahoma and Texas better get their act together before they get in the SEC or they're going to be the equivalent of South Carolina. That's what I learned. That, that was just absolutely pitiful performances by both teams. I mean, to give up 41 points to Kansas State at home the way Oklahoma did and Texas having its usual meltdown against Texas Tech. Uh, inexcus- these, these two programs right now are not ready for the SEC. That's what I learned. Pretty good. Pretty good. Well, here's what I learned, guys. And I think I've had this conversation with all of you at some point along the way. If you can possibly avoid it, we learned this weekend, don't leave the game up to a kicker. Don't do it. Just don't do it. The Missouri kicker, Harrison Mivis, the coach, winds it down to the last seconds with chip shot, 29-yard field goal. That's an extra point. He pushes it, he misses it, and Missouri gives the game to Auburn in overtime. Arkansas had a 42-yard field goal that would have beaten Texas A&M. The ball goes boink right off the top upright. So here's the deal, guys. Unless you can tell me that Kevin Butler is walking through that door, don't leave the game up to the kicker. And that's what we learned on the fourth week of college football. Now, let's turn to the hot topics, guys. The coaching carousel is cranking up. It's moving already. It it struck again this week. Jeff Collins fired at Georgia Tech early on. He had a record of 10 and 28. Guys, here's the stat that got him fired. The 10 and 28 got him fired, but here's the other stat that got him fired. In his last four games, against Power 5 opponents, Georgia Tech and Jeff Collins, 
got outscored 183 to 10. That will do it for you every single time. All right. Who's going to be the new coach at Georgia Tech? Mark Blashen, I'm going to start with you because you and I have talked about this. Our good friend Dennis Dodd says that Deion Sanders is right near the top of the list. Deion Sanders, star for the Atlanta Falcons, played for the Atlanta Braves, a very popular guy in my town. Can Deion Sanders be the next head coach at Georgia Tech? Well, he can be, Tony, but I don't think he will be. That's not a good fit for, for Neon D. And I, th- I think if Auburn opens up, go down the road a couple hours, I think that's a better place. I We talked about this before. I think Bill O'Brien would be a perfect get guy to come in and run that program and get that program to respectability. I mean, he certainly, you know, knows knows the area. I mean, knows Georgia Tech, you know, you know, de- dealt with it. And, and, and so I think that would be a much safer pick. Dion, nice, nice headlines, but I, but I, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a bad fit, I think, for, for Tech and, uh, and Dion. I don't think that's going to work. Well, you, can, I, can I just Blau. add to that? I, I think that while it initially looks that way, Blau, and that was my thought, but I, the more I thought about it, and I heard people mention this, if Georgia Tech really wants to hitch their wagon to Deion Sanders and bring them into the 21st century, I mean, you know that he's going to be good at recruiting and he's going to be a good football guy and he would change their whole brand. There's no question. Well, would, yeah. Do they want to do that? If they want to do that, it could be very exciting. Otherwise, they could kind of get lost in Atlanta. Tony could speak to that. But if they if they make themselves hip and cool the way he is, that could be really interesting. Guys, well, part of the fun, but Georgia Tech needs some buzz. They need some sizzle. They need something to happen. Deion Sanders would be incredibly popular in that city. I'm telling you. I'm telling I don't want to leave Luch. You're the I can't believe I'm saying this. You're the voice of reason here. Oh, is, is it possible? Is it possible that Deion Sanders would be a fit at Georgia Tech? Well, my 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 gut feeling is no, but I understand what you're saying. And I, I understand that uh you gotta be careful with Georgia Tech. You don't want to just win the press conference. You know, that's not the most important thing. We've seen that happen too many times and it fails. Um, you have to make sure he's ready. It's certainly a big jump. Uh, I, I get the the uh, the jazz to it. I get the appeal. Um, if I was a Georgia Tech alum, which I'm not, I, I don't know if I'd be quite confident in that, just in the sense that I think uh, Dion may need a little more seasoning as a head coach. There's no, no doubting his credentials, no doubting his ties to the city. Uh, but I, I'd like to see a guy with a little more seasoning. I mean, he, he's going to jump into the uh, ACC, you know, right from uh, FCS? I don't know. I don't know, Tony. Well, Blau's got some good good names there. I think Bill O'Brien would be an excellent candidate there. Todd Monken, the offensive coordinator at Georgia, has done just an absolutely incredible job. Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina has done an incredible job and might be a bit there. So we'll keep an eye on that. But here's the, I'm going to bring up a school where there's not an opening, but I know of a certain alumnus of that university that if he had his way, he would talk about it. Mark Blauschen, what in the wide, wide world of sports happened to the University of Miami Hurricanes? They didn't just get beat by Middle Tennessee State. They got taken to the woodshed. What is going on with Mario Cristobal and the gang? 
Well, you, I mean, you mentioned the key word, Mario Cristobal. I mean, I talked to Luch about this. I've never been a Mario Cristobal fan. I think he's, I think he's a, a good recruiter. He puts a good image, but as a game coach, I've never been high on him at Oregon. I, I didn't like him. And 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 what? You're right. That performance last week was just. I have no explanation for it. Is I mean, they didn't show up. I mean, they played A and M the week before and then lost a tough game. They would. They 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 probably. Might have won, but they they got up they got off play. But next week they just take the week off, and and Middle Tennessee comes in and, and just beats them up from the start. Uh, that's not a good omen for 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 Miami. And uh, they better find a way to fix things fast, or or we we have more mediocrity coming for the for the U for the next for the next ten years after twenty years of more mediocrity. So it's 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 not a good situation right now. Well, that was that was just really disappointing. I, I'm like a lot of people. I've got Miami now. Look, there's there's still those are two non-conference losses that they have they're still there they can still win the oh, yeah. acc coastal but i just i just can't believe they would get manhandled uh that way by middle tennessee that that is an absolute problem uh update me about nebraska who herb Gould. i'm sitting here watching kansas they're now four and oh Lance lipo looks like it looks like and walks like a guy who could get the job done there what are you hearing about nebraska well, you know, that, that's interesting, Tony, because I think I said last week when you asked me this that I didn't think Nebraska would have the vision to hire the Leibold, but I think they do. I'm hearing from people that they are interested, and I think he would be really an interesting hire. I still think Matt Campbell would be a better, would be a better choice because he's younger. But, but, yeah, I mean, you take the Kansas guy and do that at Nebraska – and, and, you know, he's done that everywhere. I mean, he was he was at one of the UWs here and won and went to Buffalo, I believe. And, you know, he he would be really good. And what I'm hearing is that they are interested there, uh, you know, but he or Campbell, I think, are, are the clear and head and shoulders guys for Nebraska. All right. Transition. Let's go. A big win for Tennessee against Florida last week. Uh, Tennessee is now they now Hendon Hooker. I, this is the guy I want to talk about with you guys. Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback, he took over. He did, he wasn't even the starting quarterback when last season began. Okay, Joe Milton from Michigan, the transfer from Michigan, was the starting quarterback. Hendon Hooker comes in last year. He throws thirty-one touchdown passes, only three interceptions. This season, eight touchdowns. Zero interceptions. He was brilliant against Florida. Guys, is this guy playing his way onto some Heisman Trophy list? I'll start with Tom Lucci. Oh, no, but not yet, Tony. But I think uh, Virginia Tech, they're, they're missing him a little bit. Um, listen, I, I think he's in a good system with Josh Heupel for him and, and what they do. Uh, I'm not convinced that Tennessee's all the way back yet. Let's see a little bit more. The Florida win was was nice, but... Uh, I, again, I'm not putting Florida in, I wouldn't even put Florida in Kentucky's class right now. So, I, you know, I'm not sure how, how big a win that was at home. It was a, it was a nice win. Let's see uh, Tennessee and Hooker go from here. I've been a fan of Hooker for the past two years. I think he's, he's kind of revitalized that offense a little bit, um, you know, and, he, and he's in a good system with a quarterback-friendly coach. I think all that plays in. Let's wait a little bit. When's Alabama coming up, Tony? Is that in two weeks? Yeah, Alabama's coming up in two. Oh, here, okay. Let's here's wait the schedule ahead. right here. They're off this week. They go to LSU next week. Then it's Alabama at home, Kentucky at home, at Georgia, 
Yeah, let's no see him get through that stretch with no interceptions. And then, uh, then uh, he's on my Heisman list, yes. Okay, he gets through that stretch with no interceptions, Tony. He's a Heisman guy. I'll give you're you that. just too generous, Lucci. You really are. You're just <laughs> too damn generous. Okay. All right, here we go. We mentioned Kansas. We mentioned Lance Lipo. Herb, they're four and uh, Kansas is four and zero. Oh. Not only are they look, okay, they beat Duke. I I got you there, but they have road wins over West Virginia and Houston. They're four and zero. Oh. Why aren't they in the top twenty-five? Is it because they're Kansas? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that you know the polls are. Yeah, you know, we've had these conversations. You know, we start out with an idea of 25 teams before anybody even makes a tackle. And then we're married to those 25 teams. We move them up and down, and you got to do all kinds of things to get into that group. But you're right. Kansas is absolutely being snubbed there. And and I think we've all been voters at one time or another. I was an AP voter. And, you know, it's really hard when you get set into your system that you don't want to take guys out. But but Kansas absolutely deserves to be in there, and they will be if they continue on this path. Mark Blash, let me ask you this. It's, it's part of the poll process. It's part of the preseason. As Herb said, guys get locked into teams and don't want to move them. If I made you the czar of college football tomorrow, would you do away with preseason polls completely? Absolutely. Absolutely. I when I was voting, I'm like Herb, I, and, I, and I lose too. I voted on the AP poll for years and years, and I had this argument with with people at AP about preseason poll. I mean, all we're doing in preseason is basically taking last year's records and guessing about what's going to happen. No one knows. I mean, we really, I mean, you have, maybe you have an idea with Georgia and Alabama, but after that, it's all guessing. I think if you had the first poll coming out on Saturday, the first that will be an exciting poll because it will be a month of play, and you will have a legitimate top ten, a legitimate top twenty-five. And, and 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 better off you would have teams that that weren't uh, that weren't considered at the start might have a chance to even get into the into the top ten because they would have a month to prove themselves rather than coming out of nowhere. So I I would do it, but it's never going to happen because I mean it's too entrenched in in preseason number one, all the magazines and all that kind of stuff. So it'll never happen, but I would do it. And you know what the coaches the coaches love it. I remember having this conversation with Bruce Weber when he was coaching basketball. Why do you care if you're 24th in the rankings well the reason why is because espn shows the highlights of the top 25 and that helps recruiting right. and and like you said blau fans love to debate this stuff and and so there's a lot of interest you know you just have to understand that it isn't what you'd call accurate as the only guy here who's gotten thrown off the ap top 25 poll um, I would say this, and, and I was uh, back in the 80s when I, I used to vote and I got thrown off for, uh, I would, if you remember, Tony, when Galen Hall was the Florida coach, they had admitted to 115 violations, yep. and uh, I refused to vote the number one. And they said, you can't do that. And I said, and they cheat, they've acknowledged that they cheated to win. I'm not going to put them number one. And they said, you can't do that. So Herschel Nissenson at the time said that you can't vote anymore. So. Um, oh, bless. And, and bless I in the Palm Beach Post, but the headline was AP voter insists he's no gator hater. That was me the next day. That was you. But here's what, what you, I would do. One thing. Yes. I would say this about the AP top 20. Each week, you should be required to tear it down completely and start over. That's yep. that's the way I would I would add to, to the AP poll because, or any, any poll at all. If you have Georgia coming off that impressive win against Oregon, put them number one. You know, just because Alabama started number one doesn't mean they have to stay number one. 
Break it down right. and start over every week. Right. And Georgia played there. Well. Oh, speaking of Georgia, sidebar to your story, Tom Lucci, about voting the Gators number one. The Gators were, in fact, number one in 1985 when they went to Jacksonville to play the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia only beat them 24 to three. Not that I remember it all that well. So, special, <laughs> special story. Okay, here's the thing. George, speaking of Georgia, Georgia looked, did not look good. They did not look like the number one team in the country against Kent State. So, I, 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 if they had dropped Georgia down, I'd had no problem with that whatsoever. But he, here's the question I'm asking. I asked it two weeks ago. I am going to ask it today, and I'm going to ask it several more times before we get to Selection Sunday. And it's this, whatever you want to put them in, I think Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State are the three best teams in the country. If Herb wants to make a case for Michigan, that's fine. But for right now, those are the three best teams in the country. We're going to go around the table quickly. Who's number? If you had to vote today, you're on the committee. You have to vote today for the playoffs. Herb Gould, who's number four? Well, I'm going to go with the, the team that's number one in scoring in the nation, the University of Michigan. I mean, they've, they've played, you know, they've done everything that they could do. They haven't played anybody yet. I don't get as exercised about this because there's going to be more games to play, but they, they're number four in the poll. They're number one in scoring. Uh, they've got a quarterback who's going to learn on the job. Yeah, Michigan is, is my vote. All right, Blaston, who's number four? I, I, you know, I, I, I kind of agree with Herb. I mean, Clemson is the other choice that you would have to think, and they struggled every week. Uh, and Michigan has, has not done anything wrong. They haven't played anybody yet uh, of note. I mean, uh, or one is, you know, they've won impressively against a bad team. So let's see what happens. But I would go right now, Michigan. What about it, Tom Lucci? I'd go Clemson. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I like that win over Wake Forest. I happen to think highly of Wake Forest. They have a great quarterback in Sam Hartman. Uh, and then probably have USC fit, you know, until USC shows some defense. I got to see USC play a little defense, Tony. Well, I, I would go with Clemson as well. I like Clemson's defense. Uh, DJ Uyungale is starting to play better. And I'm telling you, Luch, she's right. That win over Wake, Wake Forest was a very, very good win for Clemson uh, in overtime. And they played very, very well. So right now, I think it will be Clemson, and we'll see how it pans out. So with that piece of wisdom, let's transfer over to the locksmith, Mr. Tom Lucci. He is our locksmith. Every week, he gives us the five games he likes the most and why. And the number one pick is the locksmith lock of the week. All right, Brother Lucci, let's get started here. The five games you sent me, if I get if I get any of the point spreads wrong, you can correct me. That's fine. Okay. But you like Kansas State. Number five, you like Kansas State. Minus eight, Kansas State over Texas Tech, coming off the big win against the University of Bajor, Texas. Why do you like Kansas First State? Long. That's a big number. Yeah, spinning my wheels at three or three, but the, the best bets are four and oh. Um, Kansas State comes home. I mean, it must be like uh, a total freedom for Adrian Martinez. I don't know if you saw exactly what his numbers were uh, last week, but he, he rushed for 148. He passed for uh, a 234, had four rushing touchdowns. He's like a new guy. He's gotten away from Scott Frost. He's a new man. And uh, I'm just not enamored with Texas Tech yet because I, I'm not 
in love with Donovan Smith at quarterback. He makes too many mistakes, five interceptions. Uh, they're 109th nationally in rushing. They don't have a great offense. They beat uh, uh, what I think is a, uh, a mediocre Texas team that was able to rise up and play one great game at home against Alabama. Uh, I'm not even sure Texas is a 500 team this year. So I, I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, convinced that that Texas Tech win was, was that great. I think Kansas State's a team on the rise. I, I really do. And I think it's because of Adrian Martinez. That, all I, I didn't know his Martinez's numbers. All I know is every time I looked up, he was running over somebody from the University of Oklahoma. That, so that was at Oklahoma too, Tony. At Oklahoma. Yes. That's the most points Kansas State's ever scored in Norman. Wow. But, all right, Mississippi way, State. You know, Cowbells galore at Mississippi State. Texas A&M comes to start Vegas. Mississippi State is giving three and a half points to Texas A&M. You like the Bulldogs at home? I do. Um, it doesn't help that one of the worst offenses in the country, Texas A&M, loses uh, Anais Smith, who's yep. probably their biggest uh, game breaker. Uh, that's certainly not going to help the sure. offense. And, and, and I don't know if you saw uh, – I, listen, I know it was Bowling Green. I get all that. But Will Rogers had a pretty good game against Bowling Green last week, 406 yards, six passing touchdowns. He's having a phenomenal year. Um, and, and you don't know with Mike Leach because those teams tend to be up and down all the time. But I, I think having a quarterback the caliber of, of Will Rogers is, is going to make the difference in this game. And it's happening. Well, he was only the leading returning passer. He only led the SEC in passing yards last year. And here's the other thing, too. A&M should have lost to Arkansas last week on a neutral side. Oh, you think? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, so what are we talking about? An A&M team that probably should have lost to Arkansas, did lose to App State at home. Uh, you know, uh, scored 17 points against the Miami team that just got throttled by Middle Tennessee. I'm not a Texas A. This is an eight and four Texas A&M team. We've talked about this before, Tony. This is this is another eight and four team. Another eight and four Texas A&M team. Oh my goodness! Okay, here, here, this number surprises me a little bit, Lucci. I'm not surprised you went with West Virginia on the road at Texas. West Virginia has plus ten going in to play the Longhorn Nation. You like West Virginia. Yeah, I, I think I think they've won two in a row. I think JT Daniels is starting to settle in. He had a nice game against Virginia Tech. They they have a, a phenomenal uh, freshman running back in Donaldson who started to give them some balance on offense. Um, and Texas is still playing with the backup quarterback. That's encouraging. Still, I mean, they don't have uh, Quinn Ewers yet back. Um, and I'm again, that loss to Texas Tech, I think, takes a little bit out of them. It takes a little steam out of their season because that's a conference loss. Um, and again, I, I just think it's two programs going in opposite directions right now. Two teams. I shouldn't say two programs. Two teams heading in opposite directions at this point. I think West Virginia is getting better. I don't see Texas getting any better. This one, this, this one intrigues me as well. I don't know what to make of Boston College, but I have seen Louisville. I like their Malik Cunningham, their quarterback. Mm -hmm. You've got Louisville given 15 and a half at this Boston College. But you're taking Louisville. Yeah, this is my Mark Blouchin game. I mean, listen, uh, BC's dead. There's no interest. It's not like uh, BC's going to have this huge home field advantage. Uh, I'd probably put the crowd at 15,000 over under if they get that. It's just a program that has become totally irrelevant. Nobody cares. It doesn't seem like the players care. Do you see the numbers on Jerkovic this year at quarterback for BC? He's terrible. He's one of the worst AC, uh, quarterbacks in the ACC. They're just not functioning as an offense. 
They're pretty good defensively. Their offensive line, which BC has been known for for 25 to 30 years, is terrible. And so Jerkovich is under constant pressure. They're not any good. Malik Cunningham can carry the game by himself. Well, here's one that intrigues me. Auburn is the luckiest football team on the planet Earth. I don't think there's any question about that. LSU, to me, Lucci has gotten a little bit better each week under Brian Kelly. But now you're going to Auburn and you are giving nine points to Auburn at home. That seems like a little heavy to me. Yeah. Was it, did you think that way when Penn State went in there too? Yeah. You know, I, I just don't think this is a good Auburn team. I mean, we've talked about it. I think every week Brian Harson is fighting for his job. I think offensively they're they're terrible. Um, you know how they won the Missouri game, right? There was a fumble in oh. the end zone as Missouri was going in for the winning score. I mean, if yep. you're that close to losing to Missouri and you've gotten pounded at home by Penn State and, and you're going against, a, a, you know, an LSU team that, that we said, I and mean, T.J. Finley has four interceptions. He's got one touchdown pass this year and four interceptions. You can't win football games with that kind of play at quarterback. Now, Jaden Daniels has been playing a little bit better for LSU. He had a nice game last week. And, and LSU, as we look back on them, they did beat Mississippi State. What do they have, a one-point loss to, to Florida State? And defensively, they've they become very good. So right. I know it looks like a big number, Tony. Uh, I felt the same way. I, I got suckered into taking Alabama at home, at Auburn at home against Penn State. Not going to happen again. All right, we're going to do a quick run around. I've got about four or five other games I want to touch base, guys. We're going to go around the horn. Very quick answers. Mark Blauschen, Arkansas hosts Alabama after getting gut punched. They've got 17 and a half. Does Alabama cover 17 and a half at Arkansas? Yes, they do. I mean, Alabama, Nick's got them playing the way they're supposed to be playing. Uh, Arkansas has got a lot of emotion going for it. They're playing at home. But that could be uh, the 24-10 game all of a sudden it's 31-10. I mean, it's going to be right on the number. It's going to be like right right around 17 to 20 points, but I think Alabama covers. Herb Gould, Clemson given six and a half against NC State. The game's at Death Valley. Does Clemson win or does Clemson cover that six and a half? You know, I, I want to I say NC State, but, you know, and Clemson is like Alabama. You know, you never go wrong picking a team that's got their track record and Clemson's going to win, and, they, and they're going to cover because now they're ready to play football. Tom Lucci, this game intrigues me. Baylor at home, given two and a half against Oklahoma State. I don't know what to make of Oklahoma State just yet. It's going to be a close game. Who wins? Does Baylor cover that two and a half and win the game? I think, does well, Oklahoma I think State? Bailey does. I, I think they've gotten their identity, although at Oklahoma State, they're getting really good quarterback play this year, finally. You know, so that's made a difference in their start so far. But I think Baylor has kind of gained its identity. Baylor is not going to overwhelm you offensively, but they're pretty good defensively. Well, that's going to be some intriguing thing. One game I'm going to pick for the pick is Kentucky is getting seven at Ole Miss. Everybody loves Lane Kiffin. I'm telling you, Kentucky is a good football team. They will smash you in the mouth. They did it to the Gators on the road earlier this year. I like Kentucky. Kentucky's going to take the seven. Kentucky's first of all, Kentucky's going to win straight up. All right, and that and that's my pick of the week. All right, very good guys. Let's wrap it up here. Final thought from the panel before we go to our extra point. Final thoughts on the panel. Mark Blauston, 
what's your biggest question going into Saturday? What what is something that you're really curious about? I'm I'm curious. It's a strange thing. I want to see how how good or bad Texas is uh, against West Virginia. I mean, if, if they might be as bad as Lucci says they are, but this is a must-win game because they got Oklahoma coming up and they got the meet of the Big Twelve schedule. So they're gonna make their season. They got to win this game, uh, or or they're gonna be in big trouble. Herb Gould, what are you what are you wondering about this Saturday? What what's your biggest question? Well, you know what? I, I want to see the number one scoring offense in the nation, Michigan take on the number one scoring defense in the nation, Iowa. Uh, you know, that's going to be – I mean, we've been down on Iowa for very good reason, but J.J. McCarthy, the young quarterback at Michigan, this is another step in his learning process. And Iowa has a habit of beating teams like this, even when they're a double-digit underdog, which I believe they are this week. So I, I like that one. There's some undercard games um, in the Big Ten that I like, but that that's definitely – going to be interesting because Iowa as lame as they are on offense they have a way of rising up and and Michigan this is a good test with a brand new quarterback Tom Lucci what are you uh what are you curious about for this weekend well, I gotta step into your uh, neighborhood Tony I, I'm curious to see who's gonna step up to be the team behind Georgia and Alabama I think we're gonna start to see some of that sorting out process this week you mentioned Kentucky you got Arkansas you got A&M uh, Mississippi State, LSU. Who's going to be in the West? I think we can concede it to Alabama. And in the in the East, I don't think uh, Tennessee's not playing, but it's a big test, as you mentioned, for Kentucky. Are these teams ready to be number two in their respective division? Or who is ready to be number two in their respective division? Well, along those same lines, I really – I am going to be watching really, really intently on Saturday when uh, Alabama goes to Fayetteville to play the, the Hogs because those folks are going to be excited. Uh, and I'm, I, I don't really expect Arkansas to win the game, but I'm, I'm anxious to see what kind of what their mood is after getting punched in the gut last week. Do they play hard? I'll bet you they play hard. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate it. Let's put a bow on today's proceedings with an extra point from Mr. College Football. Here we go. Now, According to the NCAA, the average college football game this season, with this, some weather delays thrown in here, but the average game has been about three hours and 32 minutes. Now, that's 20 more minutes than the NFL and about 14 minutes more than it was back in 2017. Now, it's, it's not hard to figure out why this is. It's because more and more passes are being thrown in the college game. And why is that? Well, Teams have gotten pretty good at it. But every time a pass falls to the ground, the clock stops, and the clock does not restart until the ball is snapped for the next play. So in a report by Seth Emerson, my good friend from The Athletic, officials believe one of the solutions may be to treat incomplete passes like a runner going out of bounds. You know, guys, when a runner goes out of bounds, the clock does stop. But then they put the ball and restart it, when the ball is ready for play. They start the clock again. The only exception to this rule is the last two minutes of the half and the last two minutes of regulation. So I, I kind of like that idea. Now, there are other things we could do to shorten the game. You could cut back on the commercials. Yep, that's going to happen. We could shorten the halftime, which is about 20 minutes now, when the pros only have about 12. I can tell you the parents of the band members would send a hit, hit person out to get all of us. You could, I like the idea of maybe limiting the replays. You get maybe two a half. Maybe, maybe 
I know the coaches would hate it, but I, I think you got to something. We, I mean, because you've got unlimited challenges, the challenges go on and on and on. So I think we need to do something there. And how about what they do in golf? They insert advertising in when play is going on. Maybe you could do something like that. It's, it's just a thought, guys. We've got a younger generation of fans who are starting to zone out. If these games go three and a half to four hours, and you better keep that in mind as we move forward. And that is the extra point from Mr. CFB. Now, before we go, we want to again thank our sponsor, APA, APA Games, APBA Games. You can find them at apbagames.com. Please remember our website, TMG College Sports, si.com slash college slash TMG. All of our stuff is on there. You've got, a, you've got a group of guys here with 151 years of newspaper experience. You've got Mark Blauschen's Newsmaker of the Week. Go check that out. Our team picks appear on Friday. There's a lot of good stuff from our guys. Check it out. want to thank to our technical staff of David Amaral, Sheila Dufresne, and Maria Barnhart. You guys are the very best. Have a great first football Saturday of October. For Mark Blauschen, Herb Gould, and Tom Lucci, this is Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football and Friends. Be safe and carry on.